honestly, we're doing it wrong just from the start with this being the two of us, because from what I've learned is that you do not want to be alone with another person when it comes to doing things with the thing. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't. You don't want to be alone with it. No, no, you don't. It's. I feel like this is also like the like pervert, like any pervert's like wet dream. Because it's just like a perfect excuse for a menage a trois. Oh, like, yeah. Because you you always have to have a third person there. Oh, you do always have to have a... Yeah, exactly. It did The 2011 one looked like garbage, though. Total garbage. They did bring in some ladies, though. So it wasn't just a sausage party of hot man love down in the Antarctic. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think we should introduce this. Um, (laughs) I, I, uh, hello everyone. Uh, my name is peak Mason and, uh, welcome to the end. It is a podcast. We are finally back from the dead. That is right. It only took, uh, nine months to come back. Um, unfortunately, uh, cubes, my co-host previous co-host, uh, he managed to break out of the basement. So, uh, I, I waited for the cops to arrive. They never did. Um, so we're back. And uh, I, I decided to bring my, my brother here, Randy. Want to say hi, Randy? Hi, guys. Randy Bo Bandy here. Stoked to be here at the end with all of you guys. Um, yeah, Peak, uh, I got to say, you kind of ran into a bit of a jeffrey dahmer situation there with a you know strange person escaping from your <laughs> grasps from your uh basement and uh, i hey, again, listen i was giving him food i was giving him water he had a wife down there too and 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 all i asked was we record a podcast every week or so uh but no he ran away <laughs> Well, much much like with Jeffrey Dahmer, the uh, the cops just kind of turned uh, the other cheek and didn't really ask any. They questions. they they couldn't believe it. They said, "What you were you were trapped in a basement for the last year and a half and were forced to record a podcast?" Oh, peak the the webs you weave to capture your prey. <laughs> I only I only wonder how you're going to capture your next victim. With a net. Get the net. <laughs> With the net. Get the net. Okay. Um, and so we're back, finally. Um, who knows if we'll be weekly or bi-weekly. We'll just come out whenever we feel like it. Um, very much like uh, someone playing with whether or not they should come out of a closet or not. Um, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, considering the times we live in, Peak... Honestly, it, I might have to retreat to my bunker some of these days, depending on what's coming out on the news, because, you know, I think we very much are in the end. We are, yes. Yeah. So, anyway, welcome back. It is the end. It's a podcast. That's not the name of the podcast. It's welcome to the end. Um, and today, if you don't know, wait, hold on. If you don't know, this is a podcast that's primarily about short stories, writing, um fiction we're going to be moving on into into also full novels maybe philip k dick since randy's here never know yeah i've been having some dreams lately (laughs) getting in touch with them other dimensions like old pkd 
Yeah, uh, so uh, Welcome to the End is all about uh, just uh, reading books, talking about it. It is Welcome to the End, so uh, don't expect us to not to spoil anything. Uh, otherwise, you should go to Welcome to the Beginning, or This is the Start. Oh, that's a good name, actually. This is the Start, which we don't know anything about the book, and it's only five minutes, because we're saying, hey, this book, what's it about? Yeah, we could call it the prequel, where we just actually make up prequels for books. Oh! Yeah, that could work. Yeah. Uh, and today, what are we covering, Randy? What are we talking about? We are covering a short story by John W. Campbell called Who Goes There? Who Goes There? Who Goes There? You can just imagine, Just that's what I say whenever I uh, walk out back out the back side of the house and get wood i'm I, I, during the night i just yell at the uh at the cemetery who goes there yeah that's 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 reasonable i mean i i think in a way like in in my home i'm putting on a show for whoever whoever goes there because we don't have any blinds in our front windows so oh. they're just getting a full show every night <laughs> I just, I, it'd just be fun to be that one neighbor that just like every once in a while you just open the window and you just yell at passersby, who goes there? <laughs> I don't, I can't say I've ever yelled that at someone, but man, it seems like a fun phrase to yell at someone. It's right up there with, uh, with probably the best sci, uh, not, it's not a sci-fi story. It's a, uh, UFO book called, I know what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Oh, that poor individual. <laughs> they have been laughed at and mocked so much. Uh, now this, this movie Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This this short story actually inspired a a fantastic movie. Uh, yeah, it's actually inspired uh four different movies. Um, let's see here. So it originally inspired the 1951 movie The Thing from Another World, which kind of sounds familiar to John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. Um. There's also a few other movies because the thing got a uh, sequel, remake, prequel. What's what's the thing? 2011, you said. Oh yeah, the the th it, it's titled originally the thing. Oh wow! It was just made in 2011. <laughs> it's not even and called like the thing too, or like this nope. thing, or nope. what's that thing? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know like here comes the baby thing it's like you know it's it's just um it's just the thing and yeah it appears to be more of a prequel or uh, to it, this okay so it's just a prequel it also inspired another movie i can't remember right now so and peak did what I, I didn't happen to see a date on this sh short story here when was this written so it was uh first published back in august of 1938 in astonishing science fiction it's uh one of the old pulp fiction sci-fi stories so this is a absolute classic this is you know this is right around the time that uh, a lot of other classic writers are writing and we can get into who john campbell was um because he was a big name but also uh problematic just just like anyone from the 50s 
Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, yeah. Our, anyone from uh, January 6, 2021. Was Wait, what happened that day? Oh. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah, those, those public crybaby fest number one. I believe they used a flagpole to ram up the ass of freedom that day. <laughs> yes, they did. They cornholed freedom hard. Oh, yeah, God. so that's that's interesting that it comes out of that time because yeah, you're right. There's there's so many great just stories in terms of sci-fi that originates from that time, and you know you often wonder looking at at some of these films like John Car- Carpenter's films and like where they're getting their you know kind of inspiration for this and Mm. you know the idea of like who first thought of this crazy idea and what type of madness is their mind i i don't know it's the same kind of madness that kind of lingers in my mind though where like i just have random thoughts about opening an italian restaurant that's not supposed to be profitable and has italian guys outside of it in track suits that drink coffee we don't serve coffee and they just sit around and they say, hey, to anyone that passes by, and uh, the food's terrible. <laughs> yeah, all you serve is SpaghettiOs. <laughs> and it's called the, uh, I don't know, the sweaty meatball, the greasy Italian. I don't know. Oh. It's that kind of madness that, that comes up with the, uh, the likes of uh, uh, who goes there. <laughs> I'm going to say it every time, every time like that when I hear it. Who goes there? John John W. Campbell, then. Bit of a problematic past. John Campbell is, uh, you could call him a victim of the time, or a man of the time, or just, I don't know. Let's, I'll just tell you a little bit about him. Uh, a little bit about him. Uh, he was American sci-fi writer and editor. Uh, for astonishing, astonishing science fiction um, from the late 1937s until his death. Uh, he is one of, he's literally the biggest name behind the golden age of science fiction. So he helped to edit, publish, and debut a lot of big names in sci-fi from the golden age from Robert A. Uh, Heinzen, which uh, me and Cubes covered. Um, he helped Isaac Asimov get off the ground as a writer. I mean, that guy's a big name within science fiction. Yeah, Asimov, um, yeah, legend in the sci-fi, uh, space, uh, genre. And And I have to say, we're kind of like living in a golden age of, uh, sci-fi adaptations right now because Asimov's The Foundation was just adapted and released along with Dune was released, um, and a few other big name, just story and authors. Um, Wheel of Time too. Um, so we're, we're we're living a pretty good time with uh, movies. I, getting I think happy. it's kind of a reflection though of what's going on. You know, you you start yeah. having billionaires going to space and everything like that, and all of a sudden, like it starts like kind of creeping back in in terms of like public interest. But it seems to always kind of like wax and wane a little bit with the public and i i don't know i don't know if it's ever actually going to stick but yeah i, I will i will have to agree that yeah we're seeing quite a bit of film and 
miniseries um, and shows just kind of coming out that have these yeah. sci-fi backings. Yeah, no, it's a big thing. Um, and then the last major Arthur author that he helped get off the ground was uh, Arthur C. Clarke, um, who's another big sci-fi writer. Again, uh, that's two. That's literally those are he helped get all three of the major sci-fi writers of the Golden Age off the ground and um, published and really got their careers started. Um, speaking of his career, though, uh, uh, himself, Asimov ended up was good friends with him for the bulk of the 50s until about until about 61 or something where uh he had to distance himself from uh Campbell because uh that was the time where schools were starting to get desegregated and unfortunately Campbell was not on the right side of history uh he wrote in um favor of keeping segregation in schools so that's why i said he's kind of uh yeah yeah controversial yeah, okay okay i i see where you're, where you're coming from with that you know given that that time of history there's there's a whole handful of poor choices people could make that would um i i mean i guess for lack of a better word cancel themselves but um yeah yeah absolutely yeah, so. Well, I mean, uh, one of the authors that I said he helped get off the ground was Heinlein, and Heinlein was also, he was kind of controversial in his own right, um, too. He did have a, uh, he had a physics degree from Duke University, so that's pretty cool. So he actually had a background in sci uh, science when he started writing science fiction. Um, also, another reason why Asimov distanced himself from Campbell is because he started writing like pseudoscience stuff and uh, Asimov was famously well known for really being into he was really into like hard sci-fi in which like there were rules it followed normal physics stuff it made sense uh, and Campbell stopped writing in that genre so that's also another reason why he distanced himself yeah yeah I mean I could see that from Asimov. Yeah, very much hard sci-fi. And from what I've heard, Asimov was kind of an asshole. Well, he is a Russian, so I think that just goes with the... Oh, wait. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, he was kind of an asshole. Uh, so, you know, I think this is a, a, great, a, a great story, too, because, I mean... Um... In terms of just the idea of uh, welcome to the end, nothing nothing seems to spell that better than a creature from space that can pretty much copy everything down to the essence of whatever being it touches yeah. and then spread and spread from creature to creature. I mean, I'm reading this and I'm just like, huh, this kind of sounds like a pandemic from space. <laughs> it is it is aliens brought the pandemic because i i don't know like there has to be like some kind of like star trek-esque level story behind why the thing arrived there in which it was like an away style mission in which the captain and the uh and the second in command and the third in command were just like we're gonna go down to this planet and they find this like weird little organism that's crawling around is all slimy and it touches his skin and just consumes one of them and like goes back up to the ship and they're like huh you're kind of acting a little weird aren't you 
And the, and the yeah. aliens start freaking out on board, and then all of a sudden, like, everyone's dead, and they're like, we're just gonna crash it into this ice planet here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there could be, um, yeah, there could be quite a good prequel there to, uh, how this even came to be. Like, was this actually the alien, or was this a, um, some type of virus that broke out on the alien spaceship that caused it to crash, like... It, it, either way, though, it's a terrifying idea because, I mean, as you're going through, it's already kind of like a isolated location. You know, yeah. you're on a research base in Antarctica, you have to work closely with, you're around these, these men. And I mean, the 2011 movie brings some chicks into it, but I mean, I think the 1982 version is very accurate. This it's is a it's very faithful. Party. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the novella, which that's what this is. It's not even a short story. It's a novella. Uh, very yeah. It's a sausage fest. Uh, John Campbell's the thing is a sausage fest. Um, I I don't know what to say. <laughs> I guess I guess he can't be sexist in this. <laughs> I don't know. It it was like one of those things where it's just kind of like one of those stories, and it came from like that era where it's just like men doing man stuff it's <laughs> we're men and we're doing man work out in the frontiers it's rough and tumble we have beards and we're grizzled in terms of taking the story and then blending it and kind of taking it to the next level john carpenter fantastic job with it in a way it's kind of yeah it's kind of a sequel to the short story because this is kind of like oh actually the creature got loose instead mm -hmm. of them killing it and it made it over to the next camp and feasted on more uh beans to, yeah. to try to make that leap and and so then you have this and and it 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 has kind of similar characters too though from the story i mean kurt russell's character very much the oh oh hold on man. let's let's see here let's see who you can guess which which person I don't know if you can remember any of the character names from the short story or from the novella, I mean. Um, okay. But can you guess who Kirk Cameron, or I mean, not Kirk Cameron. <laughs> I don't know actor's name. It's Kurt Russell. I'm literally looking at it right now on the screen. Who just, Who is just, Kirk Russell, Russell playing? I'm just gonna pause you for one second. Yeah, I would. I would love to see Kirk Cameron just turned inside out into some tentacle monster <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that's what he is on the inside. Wait, is that a real person? Yeah, Kirk Cameron. He's like, who he is that? On like, he's on like growing pains, and now he's all like on the whole like evangelical like Christian front. Like he's right. I up must there have like pulled. I must have pulled that from somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah. Okay, back to the question. Back to the question. I said, so, okay. Um, actually, can you guess who uh, Kurt Russell is playing in the from the uh, novella? Okay, so my guess is Kurt Russell's character from John Carpenter's 1982 movie, The Thing, uh, was McCready. McCready from the short story. Which yeah. Actually, I think that was yeah. the same yeah. name. Yeah, he, he's, he's the, the only, only character with the same name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so mccready uh yeah he plays mccready literally everyone else i believe has a different name um 
Uh, so the one doctor. Oh no, Blair. Blair's the other Blair, one. Blair's the same one, and Blair, yeah. uh, played by Wilford Brimley in the in the nineteen eighty two movie, is just great because he goes full crazy in this, like wild eyed, just like. The thing is, is like it was from back in the day when they just like let random schlubby dudes play actors in the movies. So it's like actual like real dudes instead of like, oh yeah, Jack. You know, you know, you have. Um... Honestly, that was a fantastic time in movies. I think they should bring that back. I mean, it so really, good. it really gives a, it gave everyone hope. Literally, anyone could be in a movie. <laughs> You could really connect to the characters too, because like you see like Wilfred Brimley, and you're just like, yeah, that looks like my crazy uncle. Yeah, that looks <laughs> really exactly does. like him. <laughs> okay. I've seen him get drunk and wreck a radio station. That's 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 normal. That's just a Saturday. <laughs> that's just a Saturday. That's actually the scene I left before I came to start this was him just like with the hatchet and like a gun, just like wildly whipping it around and like beating the thing up and like the radio operator just on the ground like whoa man i can't handle this right now yeah yeah <laughs> look up a picture of this guy the first picture i find of him is just him holding a microphone like this to his face in a giant fucking cowboy hat it looks ridiculous oh yeah wilford so wilford brimley um <laughs> For, for those of you, like, he was uh, the diabetes guy on, like, oh, infomercials. He was, really? the, that was the diabetes guy. <laughs> yeah. Wilford Brimley, that dude fucked. That's all I gotta say. Like, <laughs> Wilford Brimley fucked. fucked. He wore the cowboy hat. Like, he gave mustache rides. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he died uh, in... It looks like 2020. It looks like oh. 2020 got Wilford Brimley at 85, but yeah, RIP. <laughs> honestly, he's the he's the first man who's ever got diabetes from eating too much pussy. <laughs> okay, um before I get to that, I do have to bring up uh just a few reviews that I found for this novella. Um, one was a one-star review, which looks like it was written by a book author or editor who, um, isn't doing so well. Mm. Mm. So this, this might not be necessarily about the story. Well, like, half the time they're spending it, it's just like, yeah, it's a good story, yeah, it's pretty sad, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's just like, but it might not connect with, like, today's audience, so one one star out of five and it's long it's a very long review it's oh, insanely man. long um and then there's another one star review in which it was it looks like it's a 20 something year old who um uh just uh uh wasn't prepared for writing written in the 1930s like in that time frame um, because anyone who reads today a lot of modern works and then goes back and reads pulp fiction works, so I'm talking like H.P. Lovecraft, um, literally Arthur C. Clarke, uh, Isaac Asimov, and this guy, the prose is really different. Like the 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 pace is different. It, it, there's a lot of wordiness to it, and a lot of stuff in the past that was published. If you were to take this stuff that's that's been adapted to films and has been well renowned 
for years. Like, literally, if you took J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings and you wrote it today and Tolkien didn't exist and you tried to get it published, you could not. Uh, that kind of writing style, it's just not around. So if you're not prepared for it, this can be a bit uh, meaty. Just, uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Tolkien, what is these, uh, 30 pages of just gobbledygook here? Can you explain this to me? This is not, this does not seem to be English at all. There's poetry in this. Why is there poetry in this? No one cares about poetry. <laughs> They're uh, singing. Sir, that is, that is elfish? Elfish. Okay, so, Mr. Tolkien, do we really need... 30 pages of elfish here in this uh i'm looking at what appears to be a 120 page chapter um it, does that really can, can you condense that down uh, sir sir I, uh, this was 240 pages before i got here this is 240 pages before and Considering you know, people I, read the Silmarillion, that that I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually something that occurred. <laughs> it, you're right, though. You you bring up a very good point, though. I mean, funny because it's like I feel like yeah, literacy is increased. Um, education is you know there's far more opportunities to it. But I feel like as a whole, society has gotten dumber than you would say. You know, your 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 authors from uh you know the 1930s 40s they really actually were um I don't, I don't know for lack of a better word uh kind of dedicated to the craft in a sense they would actually really story build they would build worlds within their stories they weren't just cutting to the chase they kind of had like a slower pace anyways to their life yeah and uh those two one stars are kind of the outliers when you go on to goodreads uh if you yeah, look at it it's, it's a lot of people that will rate it five stars or three stars um it's a lot of people and a lot of a lot of times the people writing three stars are like great sci-fi classic you're gonna love it uh it has you know it's it's got some aging issues and some pacing issues um but otherwise it's it's a good one it's it's worth reading at least once um because it is obviously if it, if it's going to be adapted four times um, since it's been written, I, I think it's a pretty pivotal work. I would agree. I mean, like, it, 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 it really captures that kind of whole sense of isolation, just lack of trust in terms of anyone who you might have known your entire life and then they could be a completely different person. I mean, there's all these kind of like underlying types of anxious themes to it that I think a lot of people can find relatable. Yeah, hey, Peek, <laughs> hey, Peek. Uh, hey, hey, just uh, one, one second here, Peek. I found this really weird dog-like creature outside. I'm going to bring it in. Kill it, kill it. it. No, kill it right no, now. No, 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 no kill, no. kill it. We're we're scientists here, sir. We're here to do research. Okay, let's do the finding of a lifetime. I Where did that dog come it. from? I'm placing it on the dinner table, and we are going to let it thaw. Don't worry, nothing bad's going to happen. Whoa, uh, hold on. Did you check with the chef about that? He's going to be pissed with his rollerblades on. That's true. That's true. Good thing we're downstairs. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Stairs. If you want to defeat someone on rollerblades, 
just throw some stairs at them. It's so hard. Have you ever watched someone walk up a stairs with rollerblades? <laughs> no, but actually, funny thing. Um, it, I had a buddy. Uh, there was a Halloween in high school, and he was rolling around on his rollerblades, and he actually got so hammered that he ended up stealing a car with rollerblades on him. Uh, came to driving a car with rollerblades on, um, and parked it and left. Got out, just rollerbladed away. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That that's was, um. That's amazing. That's yeah. Small town, small town, all kinds of shenanigans. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. So I think th that was one of the things that came up too, like in the story. It's just like they're like, yeah, let's um. I know this is a bad idea, but let's just let it happen anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here I'll go ahead and tell the start, start the initial plot. The initial plot is that they, a research team in Antarctica in the 1930s, uh, that's because it's set when it's, when it was written, uh, finds um, a spaceship, a crashed object, in the Antarctic ice and finds a body and the body uh, when they find it they end up stabbing its head with a with a ice axe and it has three red eyes and has blue hair that are like tentacles and really creepy uh, some people didn't like the pros of that literally like they literally did not like that thing which happens I think within the first Ha like first page first half of the page that you see this this thing they find this thing they they have a uh spaceship they try to open the spaceship with thermite so same thing as in john carpenter's movie the norwegian research team that finds the alien and the uh and the ship use thermite to open it in that one they trash the spaceship but it's still there in the sh novella when they use the thermite for some reason, it literally just like lights the entire ship on fire. And they're like, oh shit. Yeah, they fully destroy it. Yeah, in fully. The, in the short story here. Yeah. So it's gone. It's um it it's it's done. Uh <laughs> they so go back to the eyes a lot. The they eyes do. of this creature. Like just the the way it's described, it's kind it's just it's almost hypnotic. It's one of those those yeah. things that you look at and you just find yourself just you almost lose track of time just as you're staring mm -hmm. at this. Yeah. So the biggest difference that I'll just say right off the bat with John Carpenter's The Thing and the novella Who Goes There is that so John Carpenter's The Thing is like a, a biological cellular being that can consume organisms and mimic it. That's pretty much the extent of it. So it's really bloody. It's really messy. It's just animalistic. It's almost like an alien and like, like the alien and how it operates for John Carpenter. Who goes there's who goes there. The thing that creature is kind of like this hyper intelligent slime monster. Like literally you can think D and D it's this slime monster, hyper intelligent. It can convert any of it, uh, any cells into, into its own. It can then 
it remembers those cells so it like category like categorizes them and then also keeps the intelligence from that species so it's like a hyper evolved species and then it has uh telekinetic not telekinetic it, it can like what is it what's the word uh it, it can like talk to people through their minds Tel telepathic Tel yeah telepathic. yes it's telepathic so it has a telepathic ability I so like a, a lot of the people in the novella have dreams about this thing coming back to life and eating them and like they're freaked out by it and that that whole time thing is there it's truly haunting and actually peak i think i think it does have i think it does possess telekinesis too because they there's actually one scene which this is kind of like the famous scene from the from john carpenter's movie where kurt russell's testing the blood to yeah see which one and he there's a line in the short story that you've already thought of this because you can read my mind mm -hmm. and so it's it's just otherworldly like i mean it's it's this hyper predator and i mean to be introduced to to us i mean they very much kind of like identify the order of life here and where humans lie and mm. how a creature that is an apex predator would view that in terms of if it wants to yeah. take over. Yeah, no, we'll get back to that blood thing. Cause that's a very important in both, um, both, both instances. Um, uh, so yeah, they find the alien, they decide to thaw it out because they want to study it it's going to be big fine they want to get back to and actually like in the novella there's a big conversation over like do we do we do we dethaw this thing because obviously this thing looks evil as fuck this thing is gonna murder us like its face is like i am pissed off i'm gonna kill everything when i see it and like the science the biologist is like well, you don't know that. We don't know what normal facial expression looks like on other creatures or aliens. That doesn't make sense. Which, I mean, that's very, like, I don't know. <laughs> Never trust a biologist. They Never trust They would justify anything. <laughs> Bunch of well, rapists, if you ask me. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, take that, biologist. Shots fired. Coming from the geologist. Yeah, that's right. I only study rocks. You like to look at things. Fuck. Oh, I'm a biologist. I'm not in the basement. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's like a big conversation about that. Finally, the doctor wins out. He's like, we're going to thaw this thing. So uh, Blair, it's Blair, the doctor. Yeah, the, he's the biologist. Um, he sits overnight with the thing while it defrost and it's pretty evident that when you reread this that's where he is converted where he's consumed um and then they find that thing is missing um and they learn it's turned into a dog it's trying to like eat cows and was it that it's trying to eat dogs uh <laughs> the crazy thing is blair then freaks out the moment that they find the things trying to eat other the the creature that got away and they kill it with a with a basically a flamethrower they don't call it a flamethrower the novella um it's they like called a blowtorch and it's a blowtorch yeah it's called Which, a, that just, sounds more aggressive that sounds really blowtorch but i i love the use of the flamethrower in the movie yeah. it is fantastic it's so great um 
so they kill it and then they start freaking out and they're like what is with this thing and that's where like blair pipes up and he's just like oh no this is an apex predator it's like and he starts losing it and he isolates himself and he's just like i don't want to be around anyone anymore put me in the cabin put me in the cabin put me in the cabin and like they're like all right dude we'll put you in the cabin and then they finally realize that yeah it is converting things at first, they, they try to figure out how do you test someone is a thing because they realize that it didn't end at the dogs. And when it assimilates some kind of animal, it doesn't mean that there's just one now. It assimilated all of them. So it's just like the thing. There's there's like an endless regression. It just becomes exponential the, the longer you let it last. Kind of like a pandemic, like you mentioned, Ranty. Yeah, okay. Weird. Yeah. yeah, it turns out if you don't do nothing, it it starts to just kind of run wild on you and then and then you think that yeah, you, you have it solved and then you you go and then all of a sudden someone's just fucked it up for you. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, like, "Oh, this this blood will help us figure out the test." And then it's just like, "Oh, the blood's all gone." Or it's just like Oh, like getting a vaccine will stop this and we can return to normal life. Oh, these people don't want to because they're sovereign citizens. One of the crew members, because it's a 38-man crew in the novella, he also starts to go crazy after he sees the dog thing, after the dog thing being consumed and realizes that it's some kind of parasitic organism. He goes insane and they have to isolate him too. So now they have two people that are like, we're isolating you because you're insane. Uh, and oh, so, yeah, that's the the physicist. I believe his name was Conet or something like that. Conet, yeah, it's Conet is isolated. So yeah, Conet, okay. like... In the story, I mean, they, they bring this thing in and they're like, well, should we thought? And the biologist is just like, yes, we should. Let's thought. I want to play with it. Um, Conant, the physicist, is like, fuck no. Fuck no, fuck no, fuck no. Yeah. But then, for some reason, in the story, Conant, like, is so opposed to it that he pulls, like, first watch of, like, letting it thaw out. And he oh makes... oh okay that makes sense so yeah conan yeah. that's actually where he's converted he's actually the first converted i misspoke because in the article here it says he's the first assimilated assimilated by the thing uh, um okay okay because he makes the age-old mistake of falling asleep so it's actually not clear where blair is assimilated it's believed that he's assimilated in the tool shed when he's when he's separated because one of the other things just goes off and like, oh, he's alone. That's an easy target. Mm -hmm. So they think that's actually what happened. Misspoke there. Sorry. It's a it's a long novella with a lot of characters. It's got a lot of characters. That's a one criticism I'd have to say about this novella is it has way too many characters. It's so a it's lot hard. to follow. It's a hard it's hard to follow. So uh Conant starts going crazy um because of the dog thing, even though he's he's a thing. Uh so they isolate him. And so the crew's just like, let's just be, get back to normal. Let's just act normal. Uh, so they start to watch a movie. And Conan's just busy screaming and yelling and, like, praying to God in, like, the back room. And then eventually he just goes quiet. And everyone's just like, wait, hold on. Conan's no longer, like, 
saying anything. Should we, like, check on him? They're like, probably. So they go back there to the room, and he's just dead with a knife in him. Yeah, this scene is just total chaos of, like, they're just so over it. They're just like, can we just not do this? And, like, Conant's in the back, and they're just like, he won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, all right, movie, we're just having a movie night. Movie night, guys, movie night. We're, do we turn the lights off? Of course we turn the fucking lights off. It's movie night, okay? It's it doesn't matter that there's a thing out there that's assimilating people or dogs. Nope, movie night. Movie night, oh, we need to get our mind off this shit. This is like, oh, Kona, he just, he keeps, he won't shut the fuck up. They're like... Well, should we turn it up? Yeah, turn that fucker up. I don't not want to hear his bitch ass. <laughs> but apparently silence is worse than uh, him screaming to Jesus to fuck him. That's all I can imagine. It's just like, Jesus, fuck me. Jesus, fuck me. Like, oh boy, oh, we need man. to drown him out. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, folks, when you're faced with what might possibly be your end, Calling a movie night is not the move. So once they realize that, so they find him with a knife in his back and they're like, who the fuck killed him? And finally they figure out who killed him. And he's just like, I just had to, I had to, I had to. He was just screaming and yelling and it was insane. And they then realize that Conan was a thing because he just, he like his body moves. It's just like, oh shit, it was playing dead. Um, so that's when, like, they trash all the radios, all the airplanes, and they get into, like, a real, like, oh, man, we need to. <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> when they, they really kind of realize, like, oh, this thing could just kind of play dead and get off of this, this continent really easily. So it's in the meantime that they realize that, okay, like, people can be turned into this. So they develop this dog base test on rabbits it's like human immunity in which i don't know i still don't get it completely which shows that campbell was actually pretty smart um it's this thing where you can test blood cells by using human dna like it creates them so like i don't how would you explain it randy oh boy this one was tough because it's like the cell is coated with whatever that organism is, and so by using one that has not been contaminated, you can use it as a control to determine if other cells from other specimens are actually not themselves. I, it, yeah. It's very complicated. Honestly, the, um, the way that they're actually able to test it out in both the story and the movie makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It, uh, it's, that's very complicated. It's, it's a lot to get through. It's, it's, uh, it definitely be another ding on the novella. I'd say for me, cause you're just like, what? I kind of get what you're talking about, but let's just get through this. Um, so they develop a test and they try to use it, but like, it just comes back inconsistent. So like they tested on Conan, which they knew was a thing and it's just like inconclusive. So they're like, well, I guess anything that's inconclusive is a thing. We don't know. Um, so when they developed the test, it just turned out that one of them was a thing already. And, 
uh, it was already fucked from the beginning. So that test didn't work. Exactly. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was already uh, just fucked up. And yeah, like, it's just fucked. It makes sense though, because the thing itself would want to put forward something that didn't work. Yeah. So yeah. actually, it was a strong move on its part to just be like, yeah, I'm going to throw a little bit of my blood in this one. And then, and then as one last psychological fuck you to everyone there, the thing proceeded to kill every other dog except for the test dog. So they couldn't even, like, they could use the test, but they would knew, they already knew it was fucked. Yeah, this, um, <laughs> this thing, uh, knew, knew what it was doing. It really did. It, uh, this, and I said that, as I said, with, like, the difference between... Uh, who goes there, the thing, and the thing, John Carpenter's. One is very animalistic and it's very, it is predatory. It's like a supreme predator in John Carpenter's version, but it's, it's animalistic. It doesn't really think through things a lot. It's just, I need to consume more. I need to consume more. It's, who goes there? This is a hyper intelligent creature that it, like, once it mimics something, it's just, you don't even realize because it's also because it can use uh, telepathy it can pick up on, on the habits that it needs to portray to the other people. So it just seems normal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it, you know, one of the thoughts that crossed my mind was if it, um, was an actual hive mind because there, there are points where there's multiple things operating mm -hmm. at once, but yet it seems to operate uh, with a single mind. Well, that, but it's also very selfish. It wants to keep itself alive at all costs, which is why, what leads us into the next test that MacReady realizes is that if each cell is out for its own gain and consuming and becoming larger as a whole and independent, that means that, like, literally, if you cut your own blood and you tried to boil it, that creature would try to get away from it. So McCready just is just like, all right, guys, this is a pretty simple test. We're going to cut ourselves and see if the blood reacts. And everyone standing around with flamethrowers, are you ready? We're going to fuck you up if you're not human. <laughs> it, is, it is a great scene. And actually, there's, a, there's an episode of South Park where Cartman is actually dressed as McCready, as Kurt Russell's character from The Thing. And they're... Really? They're testing to see who has lice. And so Cartman comes up with this ridiculous test. That's pretty much the test from the thing or who goes there where he's just, he's sticking it in. He's sticking a needle into blood. And then it turns out that, that he blames Kyle for it. And, but Kenny had the lice all along and then it turns out everyone had lice. And so it was, it's just a really funny like rip off of it. But like at the same time, it's just like, yeah, we're, we, we all kind of deal with the thing in our own. That must have been an early episode because it's pretty good. It's yeah. Because they also make fun of like a classic Star Trek episode, which is hilarious. That's the, uh, welcome to the planet Arium. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're talking original Star Trek with that. Yeah, one. original Star Trek. Yeah. yeah, which it's fantastic that they make fun of that one because it's just like yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Peak, uh, tell me how 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 does the thing react to this test? Then I'm sure it, it goes it, really well. 
Oh, it goes really well. It uh, it it lets itself get burned up. No, it tries to run. Like the blood just starts defying physics if you try to burn it. Um, so because of this test, they literally gather everyone around and they they go through the test. And it turns out 15 of them, 15 of 37 people were converted into these things. Good thing they had destroyed all the radio equipment and planes. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, they, they keep talking about the albatross. And like, I'm like thinking about what an albatross, you're doing in Antarctica. And it's just like, okay, yeah, I guess albatross do fly to Antarctica, but only certain seasons. So they're actually like worried about like this thing hopping and absorbing a bird yeah and, and getting out there flying off the continent because at that point it'd be impossible to contain it and it's very much it's the same thing within john carpenter's movie where blair the scientist is doing a genetic review because like he has this computer simulation very like old school 80s simulation of like what would happen and the computer's just like Oh, you're fucked. Yeah, that is actually really funny because it's like it it's like magic eight ball meets computer where it's just like, so what happens if this gets out? Oh, uh, about twenty seven hundred hours the entire continent or the entire world will be this alien thing. Yeah. Just yeah. like, oh <laughs> oh, and this is like where you just see like the wheels turning and he's just getting wilier and wilier just oh yeah they find all these guys and finally they realize okay we're all safe right and they're like wait a moment there is one person he's been isolated for literally a week blair that's right they're like oh we forgot about blair we forgot about Blair. So they go out because like in the novella, Blair was isolated in this cabin that's a good like quarter mile of away. So they have to hike out to where Blair is. And um, it's the middle of the night because it's Antarctica. So the nights are long. That's when this takes place is that like it's long nights. It's during the winter. So they go out there to see Blair and they see an albatross and they freak out. They're like, we don't no we need to kill it so they just start shooting at the fucking albatross and it's just like ah! and it just flies off and they're like good <laughs> yeah and that actually it creates kind of this level of uncertainty too where they're just like where the fuck was that albatross did it actually land was it flying here was it flying away we don't know they're like we gotta kill this thing or at least get it the fuck out of here yeah um, so then they finally make it to the shack where Blair is supposed to be, and there is blue ominous light just radiating, radiating out of the shack. Like, you can imagine the scene. It's just this blue ominous light just just em emulating. They're like, oh, shit, this isn't, this isn't good, right? And they look inside, they find like a little window, that, not window, but like they can peer a bit inside and they just see this gelatinous thing crouching over all this shit. And they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah. So fortunately this... they have the torch and they, oh, they break the door open and they just immediately go at guns blazing and burn the shit out of this creature. Oh, they light this fucker up. Like, and yeah. as I said, 
when it comes to who goes there, you have to really think of it like a D&D. It's a slime. It's like this slime creature that's just like there, but super intelligent. And they burn it all the fuck up and they're looking around. It's finally gone. And they're like, holy shit, we gave it a week, a week alone. And it had already developed a small little like nuclear reactor. And oh, yeah, had oh. developed a little like anti-gravity pack. Yeah, that's where, that's where it just gets wild. It's like, <laughs> wait, it's made an atomic generator and an anti-gravity. And they actually, there's like a line in here. They're just like, yeah, a single jump and it would have been to the Americas. It's just like, what the hell? <laughs> in well, a single I week. Well, and so this is also something, too, that they kind of, like, touch on a little bit early on when they're kind of, like, theorizing, like, okay, where did it come from? Like, what type of species is it? And they, like, they concluded that it must be, like, a warmer type of species and yeah. everything like that. And, and and like, sure enough, they're, like, they're in there and this atomic generator, it's, like, 120 degrees in Yeah, it's cabin. really hot. And, I mean, this is, it's, like, negative 70 outside because they're in antarctica yeah in the winter yeah it's real in the, it's it's insane um and that's that's where the story ends um the novella seems to suggest that they got everyone all the things are gone humanity is safe so it actually ends on a positive note which is pretty it's pre that's pretty standard note for uh like golden age sci-fi stories is they typically will end on positive notes is because that's what golden age sci-fi is. It's, it was always more meant to inspire you and really make you hope for the future and what technology can bring. And well, this is on like a little more of a cynical level of like, you know, you got to watch out for the unknowns and that, you know, this creature can consume you and, can be dangerous it, it was that's what it was supposed to do most, that's what most of the golden age sci-fi writers did um whereas um john carpenter's movie definitely leaves a lot of uncertainty at the end i do remember that in which you're like you're left with two guys at the very end of the story and you're like i don't you don't know if the thing is actually gone because yeah. how it ends is them just drinking whiskey outside the burned remains and one just like smiling at the other like <laughs> uh -huh, yeah you might be right i might be or no i'm not and and then and, and yeah in the end of the movie they're they're like they come to the conclusion that the thing is actually trying to freeze itself again so it can be discovered in mm -hmm. the summer by a rescue crew and then hop because at that point like they had pretty much destroyed and you know blocked all things yeah. for it to jump and so it's like we gotta leave and also i mean it's a great it's a great scene and i mean like with kurt russell and keith david which keith david oh. is he both him and kurt russell like uh carpenter is kind of a lot like quentin tarantino in the sense that like he works with a lot of the same people in his movies like kurt russell was in escape from new york and escape from la and keith david's in uh they live with rowdy roddy piper fantastic movie too um and 
it it's it's one of those things yeah where you're just kind of looking at it and you don't really know if uh this is the end but the movie ends so you're kind of left with a little bit of existential dread yeah just permeating throughout you as you try to go to sleep it's excellent too and how it ends that way um and I would say that's what really makes this story good is the fact that the novella has a lot of good things to it. It has a lot of good aspects going for it. A lot of like old sci-fi classic stuff that when you look at other things today in sci-fi or just storytelling in general, you see these topics and you and you don't realize that they came from this point or they came from this kind of ideas in this time. So this is like the the nugget, the kernel that created a lot of inspiration, and you got to really give credit. And I mean, for John Camel, he wasn't really satisfied with this being the full story. Believe it or not, uh, he had a early manuscript of a full book around this entire novella called, um, and it was actually edited and revised by a few different writers and titled frozen hell published in 2019 um but john carpenter does an excellent job because i think i think whereas campbell made it end on a positive note in which you're like okay all this is gone we managed to avert disaster at the nick of time carpenter sticks with the themes throughout the entire movie the same themes in which it ends on that same theme of this uncertainty it's great i mean it's a fantastic probably one of the most iconic scenes in movie history is kurt russell sitting there at the end with uh david's yeah keith and... david keith david he also he voices the president in rick and morty yeah and he's the ass to ass guy from requiem for a dream yeah, great actor. The great, two fantastic actor. Yeah, two fantastic actors to end a movie like that. It's so I, I definitely say if you're a if you're a big fan of John Carpenter's The Thing and that sci-fi world, this is it's worth the read to at least read through once. And uh, I mean, if you want to read it twice later on, I definitely enjoyed reading it twice um, because you kind of get the hints of where to see that nugget that kernel of like this story has a lot going for it it does it does have some ticks against it i would say there's some confusing things in it the dialogue hasn't aged well because of the time you're not going to do much i mean you can't help out that much but it is a great thing to just go back and see where the initial ideas of this came from and it's still continuing because i'd argue that alien is probably also inspired a lot by this stuff too yeah yeah no it's it 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 was interesting to uh borrow the mind of john campbell here and take a look into uh how he envisioned the world possibly ending Uh, it turns out it's by an alien goo that uh will replicate you i might be an alien goo right now oh shit (laughs) (laughs) i've got to go make an alien goo right now Oh yeah, that's oh. yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah, why'd you say that, Randy? That's not, that know. doesn't conjure good ideas. I don't know. Okay, so hey, I I think yeah, here we are. We're we're at the end. We're at the end of this one. I I do gotta say that um, if you're looking for some new sci-fi, 
that is really fucking twisted, you got to check out Oats Studios on Netflix. Like, oh yeah, you mentioned this. Oh man, they so they're the first episode. Each episode is a little different, but the first episode kind of pulls a little bit from this story in the sense that hmm. you have aliens that can hypnotize man. And oh shit! Yeah, yeah, and so it's, are they gonna make us fuck? No, oh, no. We, we we already um, do that on our own. Yeah, exactly. No, we're actually really good at that. Uh, apparently. Um, no, this, this one will just, this one apparently, uh, paralyzes you to the sense where it takes over control of your limbic system and oh. then it like, it, it convinces like a, sh a soldier just to turn his gun on, on his own crew and just start firing and they have to light him up because they're like, don't look at it. And, but he looks at it and then like, yeah, possessed. Oh, no, the, the age old, uh, Ark of the Covenant issue. Don't look at it. But those Nazis, they uh, they never learn. No, no they don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. As you said, Randy, uh, welcome to the end. It is a podcast. We are back. Who knows re how regularly. Um, uh, we're not getting enough fiber, I can tell you that much. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I, we'll see if I last. We'll see if old Randy Bobandy makes it out. From his toilet time, uh, I mean, Randy, I'd be, I would absolutely love to hear a Philip K. Dick series from you. Just come oh. in, and you be the one run, running the show, and me being like, oh boy, I just gotta say, hold on, hold, hold on, because it's gonna be a wild ride. I don't think, I don't think I've covered any Philip K. Dick. I haven't even looked into seeing if he has, uh. Short stories. Oh, I just gotta say, if you have a if you have a chance, look up like I think it's his 1971 press conference where they're they're expecting him to come out and talk about a book that he's writing, and <laughs> he, he just lays the whole "I've been traveling to different dimensions." Oh uh, shit! Like it's like full on dimensional theory that like everything exists in in every possible way and outcome and he meets an alien that takes him through this. So all his books are just not, he's like, no, they're not ideas. He's just like, that's realities that I saw. And everyone's just like, I thought you were going to talk about a book. They're just kind of like, <laughs> all right. Well, um, you can go ahead and follow us. I guess we do have a Twitter still. I haven't been doing anything with it. It doesn't matter. Fuck that. Social media sucks. Um, thanks for listening to us, uh, as always, and uh, we'll be back. Hopefully, it won't be months long. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Peak, thanks for having me on today. It's been fun. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm glad you got to become a cynical bastard over the uh, week by watching a bunch of John Carpenter and reading. Oh, man. Who goes there? Yeah, you combine that with like, this time of year holiday season you're just like have i ever once actually decided to do what i want to do and not what someone else wants me to do <laughs> do i have anything for myself oh shit do we just consume without thought he's gonna learn we're all the thing we're all the th <laughs>
I actually, the thing is good. The thing is good. I, I would love to see if there's a short story for the John Carpenter movie they live because that's also phenomenal. I'll have to, yeah, you gotta watch that. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, thanks for uh, listening, everyone, and uh, tune back in later. Bye. Later.